Hello everybody, hope you are all doing well and enjoying a sense of normal life again. Um, so we have a very special guest on today and it is one of my favourite human beings ever. Um, so if you know me, you know how much I love this woman. This woman is my fairy godmother, she is Andrea Ferrari. Um, so some of you listening might know her as Andrea Jones because that was her old name, but her new name is Andrea Ferrari. And, and she'll explain that name change a little bit later on. Um, so I tend to call Andrea mother a lot for a few reasons. I mean, she's not my actual mother, but she's pretty much a second mother. So just to explain that. Um, we also might put on some kind of weird accents and maybe accidentally swear and a few other weird and wonderful things. Um, we did vow to each other that we wouldn't <laughs> but sometimes um, we might just slip so warnings and apologies in advance um, now Andrea and I are very very close um, I think the the godmother uh, relationship is extremely special and our families her family and my family have been very close throughout the years um, so it is wonderful to have her on the show today so I wanna give you a little bit of background info on Andrea. She really is um, amazing and inspirational and has such a rich life um, that I think is gonna be really interesting for you. So um, I asked her to write a little paragraph, but she did a bloody essay. So here we go. <laughs> um, Andrea is an entrepreneur. She started up her own magazine in London at the age of 29. And prior to this, she was working for a trade magazine. She describes this pivotal career transition as exciting and natural to veer off into her own business. And in her own words, I'm glad I didn't know what I didn't know. She says she just figured it out and left the business side to her business partners who ultimately made these suggestions in the first place. And I think the sentence, I just figured it out, has been a little bit of a mantra of Andrea's. She's always said that she will only take no for an answer when the door is absolutely firm shut in her face. So when she was told that she was infertile by the doctors, she looked for ways of achieving a baby other than the traditional way. So 10 IVF cycles later and two beloved babies, she settled down to motherhood and worked her career around the children. Now Andrea loves the endurance in life. In her words, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you'll get there. I absolutely love that. And she's done two London marathons, two Sydney marathons, and many, many, many other half marathons. So she migrated to Australia in 2003 and set up um, Esprit magazine once again. So over on the other side of the world. And she single-handedly built that magazine to be Australia's leading retail beauty business resource and has recently sold a majority there. Since 2020, she has been working in a freelance, more consultative role. And part of the reason why I wanted to bring Andrea onto this podcast was because she is simply divine, but she's also an avid fan of podcasts herself. Um, and being a creator of a magazine, she is no wonder a, an avid reader. Um, she loves all things to do with the mind, psychology, and she loves non-mainstream thinking. Now, all of this might sound rather serious, but Andrea thrives on laughing and making fun of herself. 
and a good dose of swearing and being totally irrelevant. She's a yogi and she's been sober now for 200 days. So we'll unpick some of her life stuff throughout this conversation and I can't wait. Um, but with all of this in her system, her mantra today is, my job is to be a good human being. It's as simple as that. So here we go. So, Andrea, welcome. Good morning from Australia. <laughs> good morning for you. Good evening for moi. For you, for you. Yeah, it's lovely to be so here. So we I are... Was smiling all the way through that introduction I know I wrote <laughs> I wrote <laughs> some of it um about the, the parts that you uh yeah your from your experience of me is just heartwarming darling it's just and it's lovely to talk with you in this um very grown-up environment now bearing in mind I met yes. you young lady at two hours old I know you did. Tell that story because it. it is great. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> okay. so, well, we'll go into the sort of the uh, the IVF thing and all and the infertility thing. But I, um, preceding um, us living in the same road, I knew your parents from work. So we were, I was, we were all about 20 years old working in the same publishing company. So um, I had reconnected with your mummy um, for our first babies. And then um, you and Olivia, my, Olivia, my second baby, you are your mummy's second baby. And I was in hospital um, to have Olivia. Olivia had presented sideways, so they are uh, at 39 weeks, which was um, important for me to go in then and um, be in the hospital and sort of have that uh, arrangement <laughs> change that I didn't give birth to a baby who was pointing sideways. And so I was in bed um, to start my... Um, uh, to, uh, to um, bring the baby on and uh, got up to go to sort of prepare myself to go to sleep and your dad burst out of the doors from the labour ward saying I've just had a baby and then um, your mum brought you to me I was lying in my bed and she brought me to you to me Aww. and um, kissed your little forehead two hours old Aww. that's lovely well, and I remember it, it just so well yeah it's just yeah, oh. wonderful magical gorgeous and yeah there's no wonder there that I do class you as then my second mother makes, mother. makes perfect sense yes. mother um yes. so yeah I was actually also just thinking just before this conversation um about how like almost proud I am of our relationship because it's it is it is so special and and it's rare as well I think to have such a close other adult figure in your life when it when it's not necessarily needed because obviously I've had so much love from my parents and it's it's, yeah. just, it's just so special yeah a kindred spirits I think we are kindred spirits aren't we I don't think yeah. of you as younger than me or anything other than grace you are a kindred spirit you are my kindred spirit yes love it yes and it's lovely and and it's not like there's like we haven't got the proximity um but then sometimes mm. we do when you stay with me you sleep in my bed with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I sure do mother we won't talk about that will we um so as you know the first question that I ask all guests is what is your not enough well my not enough um was raging away when I was younger but it doesn't 
I, I feel pretty much enough now. Um, sort of jokingly, I don't have, I wish I had more day, more hours in the day. So I don't have enough hours um, to do all the things I want to do. But the more meaningful side of my not enough was where, definitely when I was younger. I definitely did not feel um, that I was uh, somebody that people wanted to have in their company. Um, I mean, socially in their in their company. So I, I thought friends sort of would, were putting up with having me there. They didn't really want me. Um, the evidence wasn't there because we did we had lots of fun and, and there was you know lots of laughing, lots of enjoyment all together. But I still inside myself, I'm, I was saying to myself, they don't really want me here. Um, but I also have inside me. Um, uh, and as uh, a positivity, I was born with a positivity. I didn't have to um, develop that. I remember as a little child, uh, and I had quite a sort of, um, let's say he probably was a grumpy father. Uh, he pro was probably stressed. And I say now today he was doing his best. But when I was young and he was a younger man working, he um, sort of manifested as a grumpy person but I didn't really take that to heart I would think uh, yeah I've got my own little world and I, I would I would be sort of positively endeavoring to do other things you know so um, I, uh, I I have that, that having that in, intrinsic positivity is a blessing mm. yeah so, so um, today it's, it's at not, the age of 63 it, it, I'm, I, I feel enough. Uh, yeah, I, at the age of 63, I feel enough. And that's not cocky or crowing at all. Um, I'm learning all the time and I'm open to learning and I'm prepared to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't share the same opinion as me to find out why they think like that. And that would be somebody um, who I can respect. I would, uh, you know, why do you think like that? What, what experience have you had that gives you that opinion because it's quite different to mine have the conversation don't have the argument or you know a grievance kind of thing mm. so when you feel enough as you say that you do do you still because I always come from the perspective that you can feel enough but things in life will still kind of happen that will throw you off track and and you know you'll have good days and you'll have bad days do you still find that even though you have that deep foundation of feeling enough yeah, I've got that deep positivity that sort of, um, even though I can be, as you say in the introduction, that I can be sort of like, you know, funny and daft and, and sort of muck about. If, when, a, when, a, when a serious thing comes along, I can feel my, my grit to come in, you know, and I'm right. This is a challenge that I am going to work through. If I have to support someone through something, a difficult thing that's hit our family, I will... Is it I will knuckle down and and investigate and not fall apart. I will not lose my mm. shit. I will look at myself and say, I do not need you to lose your shit now, Andrea. We're going to sort mm. this out. We will do it. Uh, yeah. And, it, you know, and I can get up in the morning and I'll get on with it and I'll, I'll work through that challenge. Uh, and mm. I've, I've, that has been my experience. I've done that several times in my life, some big challenges. Um, and uh, we, we, yeah, we, we, we get over it we but you have to have mm. that per that positive attitude and it's like putting out to the universe we're going to get over this the universe will support yeah. you to get over that mm. and I'm Do you doing think that... the work to the universe so like I'm not just saying universe universe help me help me through this and sitting back mm. and crying all day 
one foot in front of the other and the universe will see that we are endeavoring to get to that issue solved definitely finding the balance um mm. do you think that that intrinsic positivity you talk about um yeah do you think that you can cultivate that yeah but by being intrinsic it's there it was born into me uh but then mm. cultivate onwards uh, yeah from experience as well that if you've you've got that lovely you know, this experience it's feedback isn't it experience is feedback so you're you can jolly through something or you can remove yourself from a, a, a somewhere that's not making you feel very comfortable or not very happy or you feeling not enough in that situation. And I can I could always read. My mother used to say to me, you know, read, write, sew. So you can occupy yourself with something else and it just gives your brain something else to think about rather than ruminating on a, a sort of lack and I'm not loved and mm. nobody likes me and this is all going wrong. You know, if you mm. you get, get on and distract yourself with... with um, something that is creative. I think the creative mm. process is a wonderful uh, distraction. And yeah, yeah and I think- like the positivity, yeah, yeah. You, you can, yeah, you can, absolutely you can, yeah, mm. yeah. It's kind of like what, what I'm working with quite a lot at the moment with my clients is helping them to exercise the positivity muscle in their mind. And just like you'd exercise your arms at the gym, you'd exercise mm. those muscles in your mind, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So that's mm. exercising their positive. Did you say exercising their positivity? Did you say? Positivity uh, mind uh, muscle, whatever that positivity is. Positivity mind muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe in that. Uh, maybe that was from the, uh, I think Chase Jarvis talks about that, doesn't he? The, um, the pop, pop, uh, He's the creative, creative calling. He's written that book, Creative Calling. And it's about that. Mm, yeah. yeah. You, you've got to have um, the, uh, the, let your mind see new things as well. Let your mind feed your mind the new and novel. And inside your brain, it's cascading in there. And, and uh, so it's exercising up there. So mm, for you to definitely. be more creative yourself. Yeah. yeah. If you, you Let yourself have loads of ideas. Mm. And then oh, you know, out of a thousand ideas, one may be amazing. But let dream up these funny things, uh, extraordinary yeah. things, you know. And... And they can just, they could be sort of like, they're just lovely creative things, but it's exercising that muscle completely. Mm. Do it, yeah. Definitely. And it's interesting that you say that your mum used to kind of say, do things to to kind of, I guess, distract from um, any, you know, doubt or negativity. But, but there's a fine line between doing things that are kind of numbing and distracting you in a negative way and then doing things that are distracting you that as you say cultivate that present um not presence uh creativity because when you're being creative as a human you are being a human being right you're not you're not human doing you're a human being and that's yes. that is where the kind of magic and and space and growth happens yeah. And you've probably got something at the end of it, a creative process that you're distracting yourself with that's satisfying. So I may have just knitted a little square. You know, you could knit the squares and you sewed the squares together and you made a blanket or I may read. Oh, read, write. So, yeah, read. So there was read. I might go down to the library. I was always in the library, even as a little girl. Um, and or write. And I've got a nice little poem I've written or a nice little. You've got something at the end of it that you can be proud of where that's a good mm. distraction. Nowadays, um, you know, it's just happened. You've got social mm. media, you've got these 
so, you know, well, I don't want to say, yeah, yeah, but, you yeah. know, <laughs> well, my opinion of some of these, they're, they're weapons of mass distraction. They can distract mm. you. And you see at the end of the day, 10 hours, 12 hours on, on screen time. Now, some of that might just mm. be checking this, that and the other, because your phone is not the whole thing. It's not just a phone. It's not a telephone call making device. I call it a device because you've got the, the Encyclopedia Britannica in there, you've got Google. So it's, there's lots, there's uses for it. You've got, you can pay your bank and you can, you know, there's, it's, it has a, a role, but the hours you can spend on social media, which are mm. fake, fake lives going on. Mm. If you know in yourself, if you, I don't do any pictures of me drinking at a wine bar, but I used to, but that's, mm. that's the work. Click, that's the photograph. That's your, the, the, the few seconds in your, your day. The rest of the day you're doing, you could be doing anything and everything, but you're portrayed yeah. and, oh, she's got that lovely life, you know. But that, to mm. distract yourself by, if when you're feeling down and you distract yourself by scrolling through your social media feed, uh, you know, just don't do that, I mm. would be saying. Yeah. But read, write, so. <laughs> read, write, oh, so. Yeah. Yeah, we would go for a walk nowadays, wouldn't we? We'd go for a walk, look at nature, look up at the night sky Mm. or look out at the ocean or just look at the plants, stand in the grass and look at the plants. And, you know, it's that energizing energy you get from um, just being grounded, standing in the earth. Mm. It gets you out of your head and into your body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And being a human being. Being a human being. So, um interesting just i want to go back to you're not enough as well i mean i'm uh surprised that you say that because honestly mother like it's so mm. warming and nourishing and like it's like a warm fuzzy buzzy feeling inside when i'm when i'm in your presence and i'm definitely not the only person that would say that i know that your kids would say it and your close friends would say it and my mum and dad would say it as well so it oh. is really interesting that that is your specific not enough like and sometimes I almost think that the things that we are so feeling not enough in are the things that actually turn out to be our strengths in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so it's really, really, really heartwarming, heartwarming to hear you say that. Um, because but I do you know try to be a bit, you know, good. No, I do. Well, it's nice. But, well, I, you tell me, so and I believe you. Yeah, <laughs> it comes from an authentic source. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh well, you see, you know, well, the other thing is like, like this laughing a lot. Honestly, I think it is the best medicine. It's another old saying, isn't it? Laughter is the best medicine. We yeah. laugh a lot here at home, you know. And I'm yeah. uh, my the, my living circumstances here are with my two adult children and Olivia's boyfriend. So we're all different ages. Twenty seven. Patricia uh, Hugo is nearly thirty, and Patricio's um, thirty seven. And um, so we're all, we're all adults from, and we just laugh and kind of tease, but it's nice teasing, but mm. cheeky teasing. So yeah, um, yeah lo- lots and lots of laughing. So I think because I had that sense of humor, even if I did when I was younger, feel that I wasn't, what, what, maybe not enough, it, but uh, I know people thought I was funny. Mm. So perhaps, you know, they had me there because the, I I would laugh. I could laugh, and I could certainly laugh at myself. So um, yeah, and I think I've always had that sort of kind of humility as well that I'm, you know, I haven't, haven't. Yeah, I, I can. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, not sure what I'm going to no. say. <laughs> 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 uh, love it. So um, yeah, lots and lots of laughing in our lives. Laughing's contagious, right? 
Yeah. Um, what hormone? Do you know what hormone is released when you laugh? Oh, is it serotonin? I'm not sure. No, do you know? <laughs> no, I, I don't. But... I read all these science books, but don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll find yeah. out. Or the dopamine. We'll Google it. Dopamine, isn't it? Yeah, it's that addictive. It'll be the addictive thing, won't it? Probably the dopamine that you keep getting your dopamine fix. Yeah, mm. because I don't know if you've got, I think it, because it went viral on um, on social media. Uh, <laughs> there was the guy who walked on the train and he opened up his laptop. It was a crowded train. He opened up his laptop and he started to giggle and he's laughing. Right. Ha, 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 like that. Ha, 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 ha. And he starts really laughing. Then everyone around, starts laughing around him. <laughs> and then you're laugh, you find yourself laughing. On the it's hilarious. But, you know, because that's, like, that's such that's an instinctive brilliant. thing. It's such an instinctive thing, isn't it? That I don't know why we are, why we take ourselves so seriously then, really. I know. You know, I know. it's crazy, isn't it? Why aren't we laughing? Yeah. I know. We like to We're, sing uh, and laugh. And... Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think I, I can be a bit of a sucker for taking things a bit too seriously, especially when, when you live on your own, you can just get a little bit, it get, all gets a little bit up in your head and, and you forget to just laugh. Yeah. Well, when you're up in your head, I think another thing, and I've just, I was reading about it recently, is to hum. Humming, because mm. you've got that, like an arm, you've got the vibration, which is really is good for you yeah I read a book recently on humming the benefits of humming and um I put it to practice myself so I'm speaking from experience I'd had a long day um I'd been up early for a press launch where I had to be in uh exercise gear for the launch of um um, uh, a hair product that had some sort of energizing ingredient in it so they sort of put us through this energy uh, exercise class uh, then I had to go off to um, a coffee meeting somewhere. So I had to change, get to be in that. I had a bag. Then the, I'd had the gift from the, the press event and something else. And then I had to do a, another um, event. And it went on and on and on. And then I met some friends at the Opera Bar in Sydney. Um, and it was a, quite an early evening drink. And it was freezing bloody cold there. The wind was howling in off the har- on the harbour. And um, it, then it started to rain. <laughs> And um, Olivia was at home doing uh, massages. She does her beautiful massages at home. And I knew I couldn't get back into the apartment for another, it was like an hour or so. So I had to walk up the main street. So our main street, George Street, like your London Oxford Street. And rather than get the bus up it, I walked up because I was killing time. And I thought, I need to do something here to sort of change up this feet. I'm feeling to like, oh God, I I really want to go home to bed. So I thought I need to change up the energy. So I started to hum. And I hummed my way up George Street. By the time I got to the top, I was really jolly. <laughs> it really, really <laughs> works. It's, it, 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 it really does uh, change the... What did, what did you the know, people around you... Do you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Love it. No, good, oh, yeah. good on you. Well, I think for the, the, for the few seconds they're passing me and I'm going... <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really matter I bet they'd either laugh or start humming themselves so yeah the infection of a hum (laughs) yeah love it Mm. no I I know what you mean about the hum well well, recently I've been doing a lot of breathing in and hmm and it just feels so good (laughs) yes yes breath breath sweet release oh yeah the power of the breath. It's the, this, the new, uh, the new black, doesn't it now? You know, breath. Mm. It's just fantastic, Definitely. isn't it? Well, it's the thing Powerful. that, it's the, it's the thing that keeps us alive. So 
Yeah. The first thing we do and the last thing we do, breathe in. Yep. And then breathe out. Mm, yeah. So true. Mm. Um, so, Andrea, can we talk about your move to Sydney? Um, because I think it's a very incredible story and it's definitely something that everyone seems to be doing at the moment um moving from london to sydney you know it's really easy especially as a youngster to get a working visa and it seems to be like the trendy thing i I know so many of my friends are out there at the moment they've been i've done it um but you did it before it was like the quote unquote trendy thing to do so let's tell the listeners about your unique journey on this move okay yes here we go now um uh so i was single with two young children and um uh, quite a large house in oxshot in surrey and i um in a way i was sort of it was quite difficult to, to, to pay the mortgage for this large house and then we weren't going on holiday so I thought I need to change. I, w- we, I would like to give my children a different kind of life where we can have um, more sort of more holidays. So I started to look to move house, um, and I was just seeing houses sort of they just sort of wet <laughs> with leaves, wet leaves in the drive. I don't know why it was. Whether too much in the autumn I was looking, but it just all looked wet, and and I would have had to move out of my um, my close environment. The children would have had to move move school and everything. So I'd got my head around it's going to be. A, a, a biggish move then and then I started to think about what about li- living overseas because we've done these lovely holidays to the Greek islands and you know the proximity of Europe you go down to the south of France and it's all lovely but um, there's the language challenge I don't speak any other language um, and uh, Hugo was secondary school age so he had he would have had to have the language of that school as a, you can go into primary school um, without the language, but you have to have it if you're going into secondary school. So that I couldn't, we couldn't go. I couldn't go drifting around doing a Shirley Valentine, you know, living on a Greek island and just hippieing out. So um, I looked for, an, and I also wanted to take, I thought, well, I need to take my business then. So my business was a trade publication for the retail beauty industry. What English speaking country does not have um, such a magazine? Uh, Australia does and around Europe I didn't really want to go to South Africa which is English speaking um, but Australia didn't have a trade magazine for the retail beauty industry so I started looking at that Um, and I started my investigations in the January January 2003 and um, just started to work through the whole process and do research um, contacted people that I know that living in in um, Australia are working in the business so some of the executives from the, the UK had um, moved over or uh, uh, yeah, moved over to, to Sydney. Um, so I got in touch with quite a few people and got a lie of the land, um, tested out my ideas and um, gradually sort of, you know, got was going through the months. Then I started to look at a visa. What kind of a visa could I have? My age meant that I needed to have. I, I wasn't, couldn't come on the point system. I had to come on um, a visa a business I mean a a business visa so in fact I had unique skills because they didn't have the magazine here and um, I uh, I I used an agency which I would highly recommend because they get you to the point they it's all authentic and truthful of course and they they get you all your paperwork just right then they apply and um, that came out with a positive result 
and we moved then in the December, uh, which was perfect timing because I uh, because the, ch the school year here is January to December. So we we landed here on the 13th of December. We had Christmas with some very close friends living here, settled the children in to school and um, we found a house, a rental house. And um, I had my first business meeting then on the 28th of January at 10 a.m. In, um, in St. James's Park <laughs> with a gentleman called Terry Little, who was um, from, uh, he'd worked at Clinique in London and he was the general manager of Clinique in um, Australia. And he set me up with the whole of the Lord group. So um, that opened the door for me with my business. But it was that, yeah, it was, it was looking, looking to have another life, another kind, another lifestyle. And looking at the Sydney lifestyle, it's outdoorsy. It is, it mm. is what you see in the movies kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah. Funnily enough, it does have a, um, um, a snow, snowy um, ski resort here. Uh, there, there, is, there, is a, 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 there are mountains. We do have snow. But really? um, and I it's didn't not know that. yeah, didn't you? Oh. oh, it's beyond Canberra. Yeah, the snow. Well, there's, there's the snowy mountains. There's there's a film actually <laughs> on the oh. snowy mountains. But it's um yeah, Threadbow, Perisher. It's it's oh, wow. man. It's sort of man-made to look like Europe. But it's it's there's there's real snow and there's mountains. Kosciuszko is the mountain. Wow. Yeah, oh, and then the Blue Mountains. You've been to the Blue Mountains. Yeah, the Blue yeah. Mountains are it's chillier. But you see, the, 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 if you look at Australia on the globe, it actually, it isn't, it isn't sort of side to side. It actually points down slightly. So it points towards the Antarctic. So we get, when mm -hmm. we get a wind, it comes up from that Antarctic and it hits Melbourne and that Melbourne and some of, you know, South Australia, but Melbourne can be really cold. Mm, and inland, yeah. it's higher land. It's, so it's not all kangaroos and people with hats and corks all hanging around them. Mm. In fact, it was really funny when I first arrived in, in Sydney and we were walking in that main street, George Street, uh, there were men in suits and women in business gear. And I was thinking, mm. oh, my God, it's, it's the other side of the world. Mm. But they, they, it's, it's just the same in a way in a business life. It's the yeah. Western world down here. Mm. Yeah. But you've got the beaches. So Sydney is mm. the beaches, Melbourne is yeah. the food, and maybe the more businessy side. And they they've got they've got beaches, but it's they're not like the Sydney beaches. Sydney beaches are the ones mm. the world famous Bondi Beach and Manly yeah. Beach. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, yeah. You can you, you the guys you can be in you you can be in your business suit, but you're buddy in the evening. Then you come back. You literally drop your suit on the beach and jump in the ocean and do some surfing. Jump in the it's ocean. Lovely, oh, lovely. The <laughs> you say that yeah. as if you used to do that yourself, mother. Did yep. you used to say? Yep, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One lesson. <laughs> I tell you what, the ocean—you really have to respect the ocean. It is not the seaside. The ocean is—it's a big thing. Uh, you know, uh, as we can talk about uh, more. That I, I now live further up the coast, and um, mm. I nearly got swallowed up on my first day of a sea change. Honestly, I was swimming oh, in the sea, and it just. And I'd swam, swam, you know, and then I realized I was quite a long way out. And there's, there's rips. Well, I don't know. I don't even remember talking about a rip in England, but mm. they pull you out. If you watch yeah. Bondi, Bondi Rescue on, on television in the UK, you're, these people getting into difficulties, it's not surprising at all. No, it's a really no, no. strong ocean and you have to respect yeah. it. So when you come on holiday, just watch yeah. it. Yeah, you have to. And yeah. that's why... There's a there's a real knack to it, isn't it? That's why you have to do the surfing lessons and all that sort of thing because they teach yeah. you all about that rip because it is so dangerous. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. The big thing is stay calm. Stay calm. Yeah. And if even if you get taken out, you'll cut. You'll come to an edge and you'll come back. But I mean, that's that's very pedestrian advice there. But just panicking is not going to get you anywhere. No. So no. and they do have the you know to swim within the flags and 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 do what you're supposed to be doing. Do what you're being requested mm. to do by the surf life saving people. Yeah, I remember when yeah. off the back of seeing you and Sydney, I went to Bali and I got quite confident surfing. So I sillyly, ignorantly went to like the the where that all the really good guys go surfing, and um, I got caught in something and I just like I was like paddling my arms, but I just was not moving and I was like behind this rock in a very kind of out of nowhere place. And I was like, this is it. What am I going to do? Am I going to panic? Am I going to stay calm? And I just managed to stay calm and like bring myself back to shore. But it was whew, scary. Yeah, it is scary. Yeah. And you need, you know, when, when, you, when you've had one, you kind mm. of, you, you, you know, it's, that, it's just having that respect, isn't it? Having respect mm. to the ocean, endeavoring not to get into the difficulty in the first place. But if you do get into a difficulty, stay calm. Yeah. And look, you know, st- if you can signal, signal for help, but um, yeah, yeah, but, but, you know, that's, <laughs> that, it's still, <laughs> it's a beautiful country to come, you know, we know it's a beautiful country to come to and it's got this, but the thing is, what it is, is it's, it's got this nature, it's got this, these beautiful natural uh, resources and um, it's, it's not about the old uh, uh museums and galleries and and that sort of thing that you get in Europe and let's say you know in the western world perhaps and, mm. uh it's it, there's it's a new country so we've got beautiful um untouched pristine uh, waters and um rainforests um and, and over in western australia and the northern territory I haven't been there but you know you, you look at you hear a bit of people's experiences and it's just extraordinary creatures as well we've got mm. amazing creatures and plants and yeah and I've got all these new bird sounds here in my new home it's just lovely I love hearing I, yeah. I get such a thrill out of hearing the black cockatoos come across oh I just love it mm. it's so it's nice. lovely yeah so don't come looking for these um you know don't come looking for for Europe in Australia no it's it's, it's ocean it's nature yeah, I think p- lots of people talk about how Australia, people from maybe from London say this, Australia can be quite backward. But I always think that that's because it's so outdoorsy that you don't have to sort of, you don't have to worry so much about what you're wearing because you can wear minimal because the weather is so nice and you're just out and about and, you know, in nature and all that sort of thing. So maybe that's why. Yeah, be very mindful of where you, where you, where you take your, where you, hear your comments from so who's saying Mm. it's backward have they been and if they've been here maybe they were looking for Europe maybe they were looking for New York City but you're not going to get that here Mm. yeah so what are you looking for yeah yeah don't and it's through anything in life be careful of your be mindful of where you're getting your comments from or or, you know Mm. who's saying who's saying it have they been what what were they looking for I don't like I I'm an alternative thinker about the western world there's there's parts of it I I really like and parts of it I've benefited from but at the ripe old age of 63 I've seen other ways of life and um they may say it's backward but I believe it's forward in that we've got so much land to put our feet on to ground ourselves 
Mm. and to swim in that ocean and to lie back and look at that unpolluted night sky that's mm. for me is forward that's way yeah. farther forward than I, my mm. life wants to, to to go I want I drive my life to to see to appreciate that mm. kind of beauty and appreciation is a, is a really important thing so so you need to appreciate anywhere you are yeah. even if you're in a yeah. room or you're in a box or you're in the world mm. from a box to the mm. world appreciate where you are see see the good in something rather than the bad it, Definitely. It's, it's quite it's quite it is quite it's it's quite an experience to to drive across australia it's because our population is small and you can drive for miles mm. and miles and see nobody yeah yeah which is fine that is actually <laughs> that is one of the best what say that again it's fine by me to not see anybody on the road yeah no exactly long road trip but i was with olivia so it was great fun we were were in a tiny little car we drove a long long way in this tiny little car but when we laughed and sang and (laughs) barely saw anybody (laughs) love it love it um that is actually one of the best pieces of advice i think i've ever received um is you you told me be careful where you get your advice from and who you get your advice from I love that taking yeah. that away with yeah. me forever yeah um, honestly it's so important because when you look at it and you yeah. think oh well, she's been saying all this that and everything well has she ever been there has she had any experience mm. of it what, what yeah. is she the kind of person I want to be and would I take advice from that person no mm. well then don't yeah you know just say thank yeah. you and move on <laughs> definitely <laughs> It, and also, I do think other people can give you advice based on what they think is right for you, but no one knows what's right for you other than you. Exactly. We are all unique, yeah. unique beings. We are unique yeah. beings. It's, we're incredible, incredibly clever little things, aren't we? All being mm. our unique, different little selves. Yes, for sure. Um, so... With the whole moving to Australia thing, um, do you think you had the attitude of just like, I have to make this work? This is just that this not work, this not working is just not an option. Absolutely, categorically, yeah. And it was like that. The, the stress on the have, I have to make this work. <laughs> um, yeah, and and that work is the is the operative word there that you. You cannot, again, as I said before, you cannot just look up at the universe and say, please help me, please make this work. You have to be doing the work. You have to put the foot, one foot after the other. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I set up with enthusiasm. I had my magazine from the UK, which I could show people, but I set up meeting, meeting after meeting, a network. I went to every event that I, I became invited to things. And, and mm-hmm. I, I assumed the role. I assumed myself as I am Andrea Ferrari of, Esprit magazine, um, I'm here to report on your business here. I'm doing, um, hopefully you want me. You know, I didn't tell them how to, my, in fact, this is good advice from my father. Um, he said, don't tell them how you're going to do it. You ask them how they want you to do it. How do you, how they want yeah. you to show up with this magazine? Um, so I did, I had lots of meetings to find out how, how to, um, you know, how to, how to best serve. And um, and then networking, picking up that phone, because that was 20 years ago when I did this. And it was it was less reliant on email. Thank God we did have email, but uh, less reliant on email. And it was, um, yeah, pick up the phone. You've got to keep picking up the phone. You've got to have the guts to pick up the phone. And mm. 
and you believe in yourself and then it makes it so much easier if you believe in yourself and you've got enthusiasm about what you're doing whatever that might be for me it was producing yeah. a paper publication so I had something to show mm. which was um good but you know yeah friendly kind mm. enthusiastic interested interested in their what they're doing how can I help you what can I do to yeah. support your goals in business yeah, mm. yeah. So and I guess by um, I was just going to say by asking how you want them to do it, how they want you to do it, it kind of puts them in the position of power and makes them feel important. Yeah. And you can actually hear them then planning out what they're going to do with you. So it might mm-hmm. be to do with advertising or something. And then you, you're, you know, which because the commercial side was really important. I did the commercial side. I did it all. So I did the commercial and the editorial. So sales and the sales, the advertising and the writing creation. Um, but you would, you know, you'd be talking about a campaign that they could do with you and then offer them, maybe, you know, maybe the front covers of the magazine they can take. And then they start to tell you how they're going to use them. And you think that's when I've, I've sold it. They're telling mm. me how they're going to use the, this, this space. Therefore, the money just the money is going to be signed off. Um, yeah. But, it, but it, you know, it, was, it, it had absolute value. So they and they enjoyed that, that value and rebooked for you know we, um, my clients became regular clients so it was working for mm. them yeah which is always a good feedback loop <laughs> yeah and then then you became Australia's was it bestseller did I say or top Best. top magazine uh well it was a leading publication for the retail beauty industry yeah the, the, mm-hmm. the, the resource the leading resource yeah everyone knew, knows or knew knows a spree magazine in fact this mm. is the, the next issue they're doing is the 67th issue and they're just renaming it actually with the retail mm. beauty oh, wow. they're the headline yeah esprit is now retail beauty because in the days when i named it esprit in 1987 it was trendy or a little bit more fun to call it something out, out of the box, not just cosmetics yeah. news or skincare world or whatever. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, Spree and the new editor didn't find it terribly useful. She said she was when, with new brands coming along and these people, they were, well, mm. so what's a Spree? Or oh, is it a fashion house? Because a Spree, the fashion house, is, is quite big down here, whereas it's yeah. not so in London, is it? But mm. um, uh, so retail beauty is just plain and simple. Yeah. Mm. So how does it feel having set up a business like that from scratch at the mere age of 29 to now see it uh, kind of moving into a whole kind of new path? But you you created that. You set the seed. Yeah, it's it's hugely proud making. Mm. Um, I'm delighted, delighted with the lovely team there. Michelle's a lovely editor. Nikki's doing really well with sales and... Um, yeah, it's it's it, and they've got, we've got a new um, team member in sales now. Verena has joined, and also that I'm now I'm a shareholder. I no longer own 100%. And so for it to be um, a, a major shareholding being bought by a respected publishing company is really thrilling too. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm extremely proud of it. But I'm very happy to give them. They've got the baby, and they're running with the baby. So. Um, mm. I couldn't be more proud because it couldn't, mm. well, you know, you, some magazines just fold, don't they? And they say, oh, print is yeah. dead. Well, you evolve it, evolve, be dynamic mm. you know, um, and uh, flexible with change. You've got to be moving with the times. Obviously, you've got to be moving with the times. Yeah. But keeping mm. your core values, 
but moving the presentation. How do people want to read that these days? And then you get different mm. audiences for the newsletter um, and the website and then the print publication that people want to get their information in different, different ways. Because you still want to sit down on a Sunday with a magazine or a newspaper yeah. and yeah. read that paper publication. There's still a lot of people who want to read paper and print, especially a trade publication that's got business news. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So when you speak about how when you got to Australia, you just kind of made it work, but then you, you've also kind of touched upon um, your the way that you sometimes like ask the universe for help guidance mm. I do I do believe that it's a balance right between doing and like letting the opportunities come because I think have, also having it like my own business myself sometimes you can fall into the trap of being too much in the doing 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 and trying to force everything and 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 sort of almost it's, it's too much and then you close yourself off to beautiful opportunities that could um, just kind of come into your lap yeah yeah, it's absolutely a balance. Yeah, I, I categorically I include the universe in it as well as the footwork. So yeah, both mm. are that is a place for both because you have to show the universe. I've recently had such wonderful synchronicities of like things that I, I that 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 fit with me so well that I I haven't been I haven't had a huge attachment to getting, but I've laid it out laid out the ground. For the universe to see, oh yes, that makes obvious sense. And the universe, it, it delivers because I've mm. been, I've put myself in a situation where it's quite categorically a comfortable place for this next thing to happen. Like this mm. house is just, it works out really well living in this wonderful environment. Um, mm. And we're sort of leaping ahead, but just to say that I, I have a new, a new opportunity that uh, a new a new role mm. uh, as a reporter for the local newspaper here mm. and I'm thrilled with this job I'm thrilled because it, it's, it's a it's just it's a lovely it's not a hugely demanding job and it's just up my street I can chat to people I've always I love chatting to people I love their story I love to have the backstory mm. why is this happening what you know what does it mean and then um you know writing it up and then seeing it in the newspaper in the, in the local newspaper the local newspaper so oh, i'm a local so I'm nice. a reporter for the local paper and that's 63 to have got this after all my years of working in magazines you know in london and sydney and it's this is just a thrill to possibly this caps off my working career but it's just fabulous i'm so excited mm, yeah and i'm having such a oh, lovely that's so nice yeah, such a lovely response from the people Aww. I'm talking to. They're all, you know, they love the little local newspaper. And it is, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's it's a nice, big enough region and lovely mm. people and interesting people. Mm, that's so mm, nice. So I'm thrilled. But so, that's the, I reckon the universe saw me sitting before, you know, I applied for this little job. I just saw a little advert in the newspaper and I applied for it. And I didn't have a huge attachment to it like I've got to get this job and I'm going to be so such an mm. idiot if I don't get it it was like mm, that would be nice it would be really nice mm. Mm. and then yeah I got it and it just yeah. it makes sense the universe could see this yeah. is but yeah this will make sense right she can have that mm. and I think what you're saying about you didn't attach yourself too much I think that's really important because if you attach yourself too much that that's when you tense up and you force and you try too hard yeah yeah so it's not because it's not really meant to be is it you're sort of yeah trying to put put your round self into a square hole 
and it's mm. not going to quite work and so the the wisdom of the universe is it's not going to happen yeah yeah so let's um just go back a step and um tell everyone where you live now to talk about your move from sydney to where you live now okay so in sydney um so with the, the business uh, m- uh, passing on to another publishing company I went into an office. Well, that was only going to be, in my mind, really sort of short-lived because I'm not really one for sitting at a desk for eight hours in a day um, in, this, in, in an office. Um, lovely people, lovely office, lovely all that. But also then I turned 60. Um, and then, in, so that was, in, I resigned in December 2019. January the 1st, um, off I set into 2020 with a few travel plans to go to Nepal and various things. And um, uh, as we all know, we had a pandemic and things didn't happen quite as we'd planned out, which I think taught a lot of us um, adaptability, flexibility, um, not having attachment to outcomes. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a time of real peace in Sydney. Both children were, came home for different reasons. Um, Hugo was back from Amsterdam and Olivia came back down from Byron. And um, we found ourselves together living together in my apartment in, in Sydney. And it was a good time for talking things through. Uh, when you're living together, you have the opportunity of like just any time. It's not like it's got to be a phone call and it, it, you've only got your, you know, your 10 minutes to sort of get across your, your thoughts about something. So we could just talk very freely and we're very good at talking freely. Um, and I started to think that I, I was, and we've got, we had a lot of major roadworks near where I live. And I, don't like to see the earth being carved up in the way it is to make um, in so-called, you know, air quotes, progress. I, I understand we need progress, but it just looks so aggressive sometimes. And there's big tunnels being bored through the earth. And I, you know, all I can think about is the, the mushrooms and the tree roots and all this. And I just think, oh, it's awful. what are they doing to this earth? And it, it, was, it was definitely getting to me. Um, so I started and I was going, I was driving myself off to the, to the local beach, which is a good 25 minutes drive from where I was living in Sydney. And um, so I started to think, I, I also, actually, I also went to a, a, a visit to, um, a local, to a national park. It was an hour's drive out of Sydney, went to this national park. And as I was leaving, I thought something's happened to me. I feel different. And I realized it was like the energy of being in this gorgeous, natural beauty and touching the trees and the earth and it was such a beautiful national park and that really sowed the seeds of um, me moving out of Sydney which I hadn't expected to do but it was so significant the feeling of the energy of nature and um, so my plan my my sort of yeah my plan sort of got nicknamed Sandy Toes me having sandy toes was important. Mm. So I started looking up and down the coast, um, but I'd never really gone on holiday traditionally anywhere. So there was no great attachment or obvious place to go to. Now, Byron is lovely. We know that Byron is lovely, but it's also very transient. And um, the original people living there, the Aborigines living there, they used it as a place that um, they came in and healed and went out. And that's exactly what Byron's for. So that's a lovely hippie sort of quite well-known town in... Um, northern New South Wales uh, but mm-hmm. didn't really want to live there 
Um, so we started looking just a little bit below that and then found an area that I, I didn't, I hadn't visited before. And we came up here looking and it's exquisitely beautiful. And it's a little bit um, uh, off the beaten track, just a little bit off the beaten track really. Uh, and um, just, just started looking around and thought, yeah, that's absolutely the place. It felt very natural, very uh, happy to be here. And in all the conversations I was having, the kids were both saying, don't really want to live in Sydney anymore now. And um, so we all decided, well, we'll give it a go. Move up north um, and then work out what, what we, what, how we might live in the future because we're not sort of that tr traditional. And um, so we might have find a piece of land and build some... Uh, small houses on there and live in the same sort of um, homestead but we might not we're here now for a year in a we're renting a place to sort of work out what we want to do so we're figuring it out but there's no mm. pressure at the moment because we've only been here two months so in a few months time we'll start to sort of more seriously figure out how we're going to live but I don't believe it has to be a necessarily a traditional way we it could be something quite new mm. And, and certainly you think, free. You think you'll think you'll stay? Will you stay put where you are, or do, are you open to moving on elsewhere? If if that no, I'd like no. to say from, from from what I think. Yeah, stay put here. Yeah, it's stay lovely. Put. It's beautiful. Mm, yeah, people are really amazing. nice. Yeah, it's a really nice people. Um, yeah, it's it's got everything. Our little village has got everything. It's even got a little cinema. It's so sweet. It's oh, lovely. Yeah. Gorge, lovely, Love gorgeous it. coffee shops. Um, mm, pretty much I'm so vegan nice. and we've got a lovely vegetable shop. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. It's bright, alert. People are alert, engaged, you know. It's, it's, mm. And swimming. Oh, everyone's swimming. And I'm down on that beach. I'm sitting here in my bikini underneath my clothes. <laughs> oh, it's all right. <laughs> I do that every some. morning. <laughs> I know. I wake up in the morning and I put my bikini on and put my clothes on top and walk off the beach every single morning. Lovely, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, sandy toes, so quite a contrast from Sydney. And, um, do you think the pandemic then had a huge factor to kind of play towards the move? Yeah, I think the timing was absolutely perfect. I retired, um, and was living at home. Yeah, that year I retired, the pandemic was coming on then. So, I, my first day of retirement was January the 1st, and we were on holiday. Um, and gradually, you know, then you sort of start to get into January and it wasn't long after that that we started getting the hints of well things aren't going to be quite the same as we thought they were um so mm. that whole year wasn't it it started quite quite early on didn't it in the year and mm. then we yeah. shut we March. shut our doors we were yeah we were mm. shut down we've had a terribly easy well I yeah. say that we we are uh, Australia has had it diff very different to the UK we've got mm. a smaller population and um, we are able to sort of self-isolate we had summer as well. We were self-isolated mm. in summer, which was, you know, you could, it's easier than you, and you guys in cold Northern Hemisphere yeah. winter. Definitely, 100%. Mm. Interesting, mother. Okay, well, um, the next thing I want to ask you about is your experience with when you spoke about um, your, the fact that you were told that you were infertile. Um, because I think that's obviously such a, a huge thing for women and it is definitely for me um, becoming a little bit of a worry uh, early on. Um, you definitely need a man first, don't you, to start worrying about that. 
But well, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, you can get, you can <laughs> oh, well, acquire yeah. his his bits, <laughs> his bits. Um, but yes, you struggled, mother, yeah. which um would have been a massive challenge and obstacle. Um, and you had ten IVF cycles. So, can you talk about how you kind of navigated your way through that with that intrinsic positivity? Well, starting with not using the word struggle, to be honest, because um, a struggle implies, you know, gritly, well, sort of, well, yes, you do need grit, but um, it wasn't a struggle as such. Um, but it was one of those, yeah, right, I had to knuckle down again. Um, right, this is something that's going to be solved. So no was just a sort of airy fairy thing. No is not going to happen. I'm going to get babies. That was my journey. Now, at the end of 10 IVF cycles, if I hadn't had a baby, I might have been in a different frame of mind. But I started off saying, right, I have going, it's going to be a process and I will achieve this. We will achieve this. Um, so I um, then looked into, so you're infertile. And I, and fortunately, the doctor said, the quickest way you're going to get pregnant is to have IVF. So they didn't just say, oh, you're, you're infertile. Let's do this test, that test, the other test, and all these sort of tests that can go on for years, can't they? And the clock is ticking away all these years. So my biological clock did not turn until I was 30. Before that, I didn't really want children. I couldn't quite see what it was all about. Um, but then it turned, and I did. Um, so I um, went to a clinic it was in Harley Street I was recommended fortunately again because it was a good clinic in Harley Street which is you know the highly well-known um, street of doctors and clinics and um, mm. London's best perhaps you could say that's yeah. a bit sweeping but um, let's say it um, and um, we went through the process and it was that was early days so that's nearly so well, that was 30 years ago Hugo's about to be mm. 30 and I had mm. he was my third attempt and um, uh, yeah, when I, when I think of when I think of it, and I, I it's it's it is hugely disappointing when it doesn't work. But for me, I thought that's one done and dusted. I need to do the next. I will start on the next one. And I didn't feel hugely. I didn't feel hugely sorry for myself. I was emotional inside, but I didn't indulge sort of like all that. I wanted to present as this human being that that would want that's capable of having a baby in that tummy, not crying and losing my shit. Because mm. is a baby going to choose to come into that body if I'm all over the place? Mm. Um, but that's very stoic, you see. I can be stoic. Now, not everyone's stoic, so I do understand it. And it's everyone's journey is unique. So, but this it was my journey. This is my attitude towards it. Um, you know, and I ate well and I didn't drink and. Um, I gave my body the, the best opportunity to, to welcome a little growing embryo in there. So um, third attempt and I got my gorgeous, lovely Hugo. And um, three more attempts and I got my gorgeous, lovely, beloved Olivia. And then I, for some reason, I went on and had three, four more. And then I got to the age of 40 and they said, you're there's an awful lot of drugs going into you are you sure you want to carry on and I said no somebody needed to stop me I've got a lovely healthy little boy I've got a lovely healthy little girl I've got two hands I've got my children I'm good to go um, but yeah uh, my heart goes out to people who are finding it challenging 
Mm. But, you know, keep feeling, feeling like a mother, that mothering mm. is going to happen to you. And, um, yes. you know, read it as much as you can, get your advice, um, eat well. Mm. Look, look at what, what you need to do to get a body to be. Although, although, you know, I traveled to India before my first set of IVFs. I traveled to India and I could see um, these, you know, gorgeous ladies, but living in slums with little babies. And you think, well, what? I don't know what their diet's like. I don't know what the hygiene's like there. Yeah. You know, they can conceive. Why can't I? But mm. I didn't begrudge their, their, um, their conception. I didn't ever begrudge anyone being pregnant. Mm. Um, no. That's good. Yeah. But that's that's the thing and I, I say it's a worry of mine because I see how all-consuming it can become and how kind of um how much it takes over your life and how much it can make you as a woman feel like your body isn't working properly and and again like not enough like I'm not enough to to be able to produce a baby so that is why it is a big worry and um I think that your advice is as you say, it is, it is stoic and it's not going to be everyone's kind of um, approach to it, but it is, it's good advice. And it comes back to the detachment thing again. If you, The more you can detach from something, the more you can let go and relax into it. Yeah, but, but those words you've just used about what IVF is like, it's exactly like motherhood then really. It's all encompassing, you know, it takes over your world. Mm. It, that's what a child having a child does and it's lovely so yeah you know, att attach the pro att you know if you're going to have any attachment the, the process is it, you're not going to not have that process you, you you to be a mother you're going to go through the process and if it takes intervention then it takes intervention mm, definitely but, yeah mm. so when um when you were told that you were infertile again what what you, your approach to when you moved to sydney it was just going to happen and and no just was not an option yeah yeah i remember i really remember myself thinking right okay how do we well, we're going to get over there how well, how do we get over this or we're going to get over this right we've got a project on it's yeah it's more mm. like that we've got a project on here mm. it's not you're not just going off for you know whoop de doo and then you know an announcement it's a project. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I haven't thought of that before. There is actually each one of these that when they come along, they're a project. And and my heart inside might be kind of breaking. Um, oh, I nearly need nearly nearly felt like I would cry at that. You know, <sighs> sometimes inside, you know, my, my heart can break. But mm. um, yeah, we take on the project mm. and get it done. And when you say that you're I can see you're welling up, mother. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. And you don't normally well <laughs> up. No, because, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it is, you know, you do have to dig deep. But mm. I, you know, and, and my heart is there. So I might sound stoic, but my heart is mm. there. And it's, oh, that, gosh, again, yeah. you talked about balance, you know, balance. Mm. There is, there's the balance. And I, my children are so beloved to me and you are mm. beloved to me. But, mm. um, you know, it's, so bloody worth it to mm, go through yeah. what you go through and you know you, you you could say it's it's been such a big challenge or you know all this but yeah I I see it as a project but don't don't for one minute think that I'm I'm hard-hearted and no it's definitely not yeah so in rapid transformational therapy we say that if, the more you tell your mind something the more 
that your mind will start to believe it and the more your mind will start to become it. So when you say there that you had, you know, this, this, your heart was break, your heart might've been breaking, but you still got on with it. Do, do you mean that you were kind of like almost faking it till you make it to yourself so that you weren't giving out the signals to the universe type thing that you um, were succumbing? To be honest, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's it. I don't, I get the fake it till you make it, but I don't really like the word fake it. That doesn't sit well with me because, I mean, I was tr- completely authentic in, 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 in my private moments. You know, it's, I suppose the most private moments is when you're, when you're going to sleep at night, aren't you? You're settling down, going to bed after, after your day and you're talking to yourself. And I, yeah, I never, yeah, I didn't, I didn't deny it or push it down or any of that. No. So, uh, mm. uh, and also in the day, uh, you know, like with, between like your mum and I would have talked a lot about it and we would have cried and hugged each other. Um, and that's, that's how it was. It's part of the journey. Mm. Um, but I'm not terribly keen on the word fake it till you make it. No. But uh, yeah, yeah t- yeah, telling yourself. Well, my, I told myself it was going to happen. It was just a moment. It just we we like everything instantly, don't we? So I I really would have preferred to be right. Boom, there you are. You're lovely and pregnant now, and it's all going to be super easy. Mm. But it's not like that. So, mm. um, but yeah, I I was telling. Yeah, I told myself it was going to happen. That's 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 the thing. Like the no is the no, and not until it's slammed right in my face. Because until then, I believe it's going to happen. So I'm telling myself, yeah, it's going to happen. It's I don't mm. believe that that I'm faking it's going to happen I believe it's going to happen so I'm telling myself mm. yeah so there still is that yeah keep telling yourself mm. Tell, so telling you it is a... going to happen yeah and you've got to believe that it is going to happen and that will kind yeah. of help you make it happen have you ever had an incident in your life where you have tried 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 so hard with that attitude of you know no is not an answer and then it literally becomes a, a no and then you've had to walk away Yes, I have. And I thought you were building up to that. And I was sort of quickly trying to think when it was, but I can't remember. Because <laughs> I don't, it obviously wasn't that significant. Oh, maybe there was, a, I mean, this is an, an example. I, I remember wanting to, buy, wanting to buy a house. There was a house that I really, 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 really wanted. And I'd offered more than it was, than, than the, the real estate agent was um, sort of sparring me off with another person. And then the other person added another you know, hundred thousand. Well, no, not hundred thousand, but more money. And I just thought, no, I can't do it. Not doing it. Not going there. Mm-hmm. So I gave up on that house. But I would not be living here. I probably wouldn't have these children. I wouldn't. You know, this. Mm. It it didn't happen, and I've got this life. But mm. that that is an example of that. Yeah, you know, when you're buying a house, and it's it's a, such an important purchase for you, isn't it? And you, it was actually mm. moving outside of the area again. This was a long, long time ago, before children, um, and fell in love with this house, but but didn't happen and I'm thrilled with my yeah. life the way it is so in the last few years mother you have become an avid yogi and we did some really beautiful practices together when I was over with you a couple of years ago um so how did you kind of get into yoga and why do you think you come on to the mat every single day yeah, yeah, I absolutely love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, and yeah, we did have some lovely classes together and I've enjoyed some lovely classes on Zoom with you too, which is really sweet to be able to do. Um, I, I kind of, I think I kind of, it, it fell into with, it fell into my, um, 
um, lifestyle zone, I think. Reading, I started reading Deepak Chopra about, um, let's say, 2014-ish. And um, he is, he's a very, you know, he's that kind of spiritual uh, thinker and um, led me into that world of a little bit deeper thinking. Um, yoga comes uh, along with that. And um, I just started to go to the local studio. And then it's very incumbent. It's a very special studio, uh, the one I was going to in um, Sydney, Egg of the Universe in Roselle. And um, I really engaged with the teachers there. I liked the classes, Vinyasa Flow. Um, and I just, you know, I, I did it. Uh, and then we had an immersion in 2016. So that meant you had to go for 30 days, doing six classes a week and uh, meditation classes with them. And that's that's it. That was it. That's what changed me. That was the real turning point um, to doing it every day. And now I, 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 I can miss yoga, but I very rarely do. I do my Zoom mm. now because I'm, I, haven't, I haven't found a studio here because I can do my live stream Zooms to my studio where I know the teachers and I can see some of the students there and you know it's live so you have a you have the chat in the corner so on the mm. on the side you know so um yeah I I I just I love the whole world of yoga I want to go mm. to India I can't go to India yet but I want to go back to India so we've mm. done that um, I've done a few trips to India and it's been absolutely lovely I do some yeah. lovely um, India. Well, I do the ph yogic philosophy with um, Amy Pedersen as a teacher in Sydney, and she is just so brilliant at delivering the philosophy mm. of um, yoga. And a, a highly recommended book is called Tantra Illuminated by Christopher Wallace. And there's, it takes a bit of thinking and you need some quiet space to sort of read it and um, for it to go in. I've got loads of underlining in it because there's points that you need to read and reread. It's not easy reading. But fantastic, mm. fantastic messages mm. in there, and the Bhagavad Gita as well is a very good book. Oh yeah, that's many to be explaining a bit of a read. Yeah, yeah, he's explaining. I think you get One aha day. moments in it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um. So actually, when you just say about aha moments, I was actually listening to a really interesting podcast today, which I was telling you about earlier, and um, they were talking about aha moments and the lady was saying aha, an aha moment is something that you already know but when you hear it it just hits a spot that resonates with you so much that makes you go aha oh really oh, how interesting is that yeah oh how lovely I love hearing things yeah. like that it's and so instinctive it, isn't it yeah aha. oh yeah aha. so your body actually delivers it oh marvelous. yeah and it all comes back to the fact that like all the answers that we have come from within and we already know oh. everything we need to know. Oh yeah. That made me go shivery to say that they're, they're inside us, aren't they? Yeah. That's what you, you always yeah. say, don't you? The answer is mm. within you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the journey that you've had with yoga has led you to sobriety, Andrew. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yes. Just going back to the yoga thing though. Um, you can use your mat you can use your mat as a sort of thing in life like we even say here at home uh, you know what you do on your mat is your business it's none of my business so what you do in your area of life is your business it's not my business mm. it's a really good thing to you know like uh, to, to use as um, um, a philosophy in life isn't it 
a metaphor um, for life and, and that's that yeah, a metaphor the for beauty life. of that is the beauty of yoga though because there are there is so much that you can kind of take away into your daily life that you do on your mat and, and you've even touched upon quite a lot of that in this podcast you know you've spoken about how you've had to be flexible and adapt and all those things and, and that is the stuff that you learn in yoga on the mat yeah and when I'm speaking to anyone to your to your listeners it's it's my experience so that's what I'm doing on my mat and I do not judge you for what you're doing on your mat and you do what suits you because you are this unique human being you you do your unique thing I do my unique thing and mm. you know definitely dropping comparisons definitely dropping judgment and just seeing appreciating people's differences and I really mm. don't and I know this is going I will go back to the sobriety comment and, and talk about that but it's all about like you know these lines they draw across the world and they call them borders what mm. how who came up with this idea it, it just causes mm arguments doesn't it so like you're now you're in that country and you're in that country now we can yeah you you know you can have, have nice swaps of information we, we, but why did we draw, carve up this world to sort of you know give ourselves suffering self-made suffering isn't it really mm. actually I counted up my sober days I have been sober for 265 days um oh which so you is, must have written that paragraph 65 days ago <laughs> no I did because I added to it I added to it. <laughs> I added I hadn't added up and then I added it up on my little calculator I came out at 265 so I've only got 100 days to go until I've done a year a year is, wow I didn't so to be perfectly honest I didn't think that sentence would ever come out of my mouth <laughs> mm. neither did I, I mother for 265 <laughs> days being a good English girl I've drunk my fair share um but again, that was a, a sort of gradual, but it's almost like an aha moment because um, it seemed obvious at the time. I am a great believer in you're not ready until you're ready. And I have listened to some people saying, you know, that they've been in a terrible, terrible circumstance, doing terrible things to themselves, you know, drinking and being in the most appalling state day after day and, you know, for, for, for a long time in their lives. And some, you'd look at them and say, why don't you just stop? Look at the mess you've got yourself into. And they're, they're not ready. They weren't ready. You're ready when you're ready. And it was for me, it was um, just before July last year. So July is the, is the famous dry July month. Um, and Hugo, my dear beloved son, said to me, um, do you want to do dry July? And I can remember exactly where I was standing in the kitchen. And I had like, you know, a second or two to think about this and reply. And um, being the positive mother <laughs> that I am, I said, OK. So the words were out. When I say it, I mean it. I tell the truth and I'm authentic. I do tell the truth. I, I, uh, sometimes I can change my mind. If circumstances change, I get new information. I can change my mind. But there was nothing to change my mind for this. Yes, I'll do dry July. Now, this was on the 27th. Actually, it was the 28th of June. But on the 27th of June, I'd drunk a considerable amount over a long period. It was um, Livy, my beloved daughter's <laughs> birthday, um, the day before that, the 26th. So she had a party on the 27th and I drank there. And so on the 28th, I, 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 I then agreed with Hugo or said to Hugo yeah I'm yeah I'll do dry July but I didn't drink after that I didn't drink again on the 28th I didn't get my last drink in or anything like that I thought no done and dusted 
And I didn't have an opinion on what I was going to do afterwards. So I did the July and then I just thought, don't really want to go back to it. I read the book that Hugo gave me. It's called um, How to Stop Drinking Alcohol um, by, um, uh, uh, no, I didn't remember that one. I need to get it. Um, the surname is Alan, A-L-L-E-N. Um, Alan Carr? Yeah, Alan Carr. A-L-L-E-N oh, yeah. Carr. Alan Carr, well, an cre- easy way cre- book. Didn't He created the, um, the non-smoking program, Alan Carr, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, and he's done this, the drinking one. And it just makes absolute sense. Um, now, not everyone wants to hear this, but alcohol is a, it's a drug. It's a drug. Mm. It's a mind-altering drug. And, you t- and it tends to um, boost the ag- your, your aggression. It causes arguments. It, I, it does, it, a glass of wine can sort of calm you down. But so often we drink way more than a glass and we just numb and dumb ourselves. Why? And I would be drinking with my friends and my family, like most of us. Why am I numbing and dumbing myself when I'm with my best people? Mm. My, I, I, I want to perform my best with them. I want to be, I want to be my true self. Not, and I can't remember the conversation the next day. And um, what it's doing inside your body as well, you know, the cascades going on inside here of messing up um, your, your body is, is, and your mind, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me at all now. As again, not preaching at all. This is what no. I've done and it suits me and I don't, I see no reason to go back to it. I don't want to go back to it. Um, mm-hmm. Navigating it was somewhat of a challenge because it's been a lifelong habit of going to a wine bar with friends and and the whole environment isn't it it's just there so then you order a glass of water and it's difficult for your friends to sort of work out how's that going to work because Mm. I think they can feel a little bit um, uncomfortable they may feel judged you can't I can't stop them feeling judged other than just getting on with it and being jolly Um, and um, so that was a little bit, socialising was um, a difficult one to navigate. Uh, but once I'd done it once or twice, I became confident. And then my friends just got used to the idea that I'm having a zero beer or something like that. If you have something that looks mm-hmm. like a drink, that can be quite helpful for both sides, for yeah. me and for them. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it, I can't say that it's been hard, but I've drunk a lot in my life. And I've also mm. fucked up in my life owing to alcohol. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. That's not to say I won't ever drink again in my life. I don't know, but I don't yeah. feel like it. Don't want to. Doesn't interest me. Mm. Mm. Doesn't fit in with my yogic lifestyle either. Really. Well, that's what I, I was going to say. Yeah. I tell, yeah. I tell you what. I really. What, what one of the things that really contributes to my happy sobriety is um, my value my morning so much. I love my morning routine. I get up at half past five or six o'clock or quarter past six. I do my morning page. I do a little bit of journaling. I do my meditation, which is more of a sort of thinking time with myself um, and some gratitude. And then I walk out to the beach and, I've, and I'm back by half past eight, you know, so I've done it all. It's still possible to do it in a working day to do mm. all these lovely things. But if you, if you're pissed, you're disinclined to get up, everything slips, doesn't it? Don't yeah. want to do it. Done it enough. No. I love the well, clarity. I feel clear. You know, as you yeah. age, I don't want to be a demented old fool with my children. I want to be my, the best I can possibly be. So I eat well, exercise well. Mm. I'm conscious of creating the best possible 
physical and mental version of myself to go on to not lumber my children with a babbling old fool mm. <laughs> which they probably think I am already <laughs> probably not surprised yeah. yeah that's right no that's amazing and as you say it kind of like it all bodes really well with the lifestyle that you live now and and the move from Sydney because Sydney is is similar similarly to London it's quite a boozy culture right very boozy Australians are very boozy yeah Mm. no disrespect but they are they've got a drinking culture yeah um so yeah and what you say about you know you're not was it you're not ready until you're ready absolutely absolutely some people switch that switch uh, and some yeah. people take some time to sort of build up to it. Yeah, definitely. But I think when you have like um, a taste of being ready and then you you might slip up or you might um, like relapse or something, yeah. you, you, you then you're so disappointed in yourself and you're so like, oh, why did I do that? Like, but yeah. if you have that little mantra, like, no, I'm just not ready yet. You just, you know that it, it will come in the future, but you're just, again, like letting go and trusting that yeah. it will happen when, when you actually are ready for it to happen. Yeah. And once you're sober, um, I love Rich Roll, my favorite podcast, Rich Roll podcast, Rich Roll, who was um, an alcoholic, a horrendously committed alcoholic, drinking vodka in the shower in the morning before he went to see his father for coffee, that kind of thing. I mean, I, I wasn't an alcoholic mm. at all, but I, I could I could drink well in the evenings. Mm. But he, um, you know, he's got lots of stories about it. And he had one relapse, and I think it was only four beers he had um, after about, I think this is right, it was about after about four years of sobriety, because I think he's been sober now for 12 years. So this is now eight years ago, he put his hand forward and he took a beer. And mm. he only had four, but he said, I knew my addiction was doing press ups in the dark. It was waiting right. for him, you know, mm. so and it would it was getting, oh, you know, as soon as that addiction, so he said, oh, he's taking a beer now. And then that addiction mm. voice would say, you take another one. Just have, oh, you have another one. You yeah. know, you're doing OK. You're still fine. You yeah. have another one. And he said it was doing press ups in the dark. So mm. that really it sits sort of just beyond my shoulder there thinking, although yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I wasn't an alcoholic or anything like that, but for anything, if you, you know, if you just be mindful of taking one step into something that you don't want to go to. Yeah. So how would you feel now if you had, if you had a glass of bubbles or wine or whatever? Um to be perfectly honest I think I'd be a bit repulsed mm. honestly it's not yeah. I, I don't have any feeling like oh just give me just just let me sip nothing mm. couldn't be further mm. away from that thought nothing mm. don't want it at all mm. I just I just sort of feel I'd let my body down really I wouldn't mm. really tell myself off or anything but I just think I've let no. my body down it's like well, what did I do that for mm. it's like drinking the, you know uh, yeah having a glass of petrol I don't what well, you know what mm. Why would I put that? It's a drug, a poison. I don't want it in me. Yeah. This body and is a temple. <laughs> the body is a temple. It is. Um, I can say that yeah. having, you know, had plenty of drinking, plenty of socialising, plenty of huge amounts of fun, but lots of, yes. no good decision was ever made with alcohol in me. No, no. good decision. No, especially not so. when you're suffering a hangover the next day. That's the worst mm. time to make a decision um 
the other thing I was going to say to you on that is when you when people kind of go on the path of stopping drinking, you can then get um, trapped into making it such a big deal that you're not drinking, like the voice in your head saying like, right, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking, you know, and it, that becomes that becomes really loud. And mm. it's almost like you may as well be drinking rather than thinking about not drinking so much. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, but I didn't you've obviously have that. not experienced that. You you've not had that. No, I didn't have it, which is and very I, lucky because I was ready. Yeah, because you were ready, and because again, this is a little bit of a theme for you, mother. You didn't detach. Mm. You didn't attach yourself to it. No, I didn't. I didn't make it my identity that I'm not. I didn't really think about it that much, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, and also you see my lifestyle, that year I did it was the COVID year and we weren't going out so much. I mean, it was the perfect timing. Like mm. young, you, you know, you know, say young people, but also everyone, lots of people social, go out and socialize. But you, young people in normal circumstances, you're going out to bars, you're having fun. It's all part of the thing, isn't it? And the mm. non, it might, it, I don't know. It's a shame to think that it's, it's not very cool to be the non-drinker amongst you all, but... Mm you know look at the mess we get ourselves into and you've got to be a little bit thick-skinned because even here you've got you know uh, i had a, co <laughs> a comment some i said oh well i don't drink oh you're boring oh you've got to laugh that off you cannot mm. brood over that this person does not no, know me or anything like that you know mm. yeah i'm not definitely. boring <laughs> you're certainly not boring um <laughs> well We've been yabbering away for the last pretty much hour and a half now. So I think we better okay. wrap things up. Um, but um, I end every single conversation, Mother, asking uh, my guests to say, I am, and then inserting your not enough into that space, enough. And seeing as you don't have one, I'd just like you to say loud and clear, I am enough. I am enough. Yeah. More than enough. <laughs> no, there's no such thing as more than enough. I am yeah. enough growing yeah. and growing. <laughs> I love it. Love it, mother. Well, thank you so, so, so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I'm sure all the listeners will get so much value out of your beautiful life. So I will speak to you later. Love you lot. Thank you, darling. It's been hugely enjoyable talking to you. Love you, yeah. darling. See you soon. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye, darling. <laughs>